John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I fucking love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that for next. Big job there from Duffy and Frank Mir is hurt now. Down goes Duffy. Oh, cold. Frank Mir does it again. Rock'em, sock'em, robots here. Oh, my goodness. I believe there are a couple of absolutely self-involved bullshit artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Well, if you thought Ken Flo was insensitive to Clay Guida when they fought, how about him going to South Florida when I am in Las Vegas? <laughs> Ken Flo is in Florida. I am in quarantine in Vegas. Happy New Year to you. Sunday, January 10th. It is 2021. That figures to be a good thing. It's episode 283 of the Anakin Florian podcast. Ken Flo at a location that we cannot reveal, but it's good to see you, my man. A few technical difficulties. You're still smiling, though. Oh, my God, dude. First of all, we can't get this right, kid. I mean, we can't even be in the same state. We're like two magnets that come together. I know. They can't go together. It's just, what's going on? And there is this avalanche of fan support, it seems, for Kenny Flory. And I think oftentimes around the Connor fights, because, of course, you called his UFC debut. And uh, I get all these people messaging me, like, when are we going to get Ken Flo back next to you on your right? And I don't know, okay? But you can be sure that no one will be happier than me when I look to my right on fight night and Ken Flo is there. Looks like we might have some fans in the building, Ken Flo, by the way. Have you heard that? I know. That's great. That is great news. Uh, You know, obviously, you know, it's been a while since I've called a fight, uh, but it, the, the energy is just completely different when you have uh, a crowd there. So uh, that is awesome news for you, my man, uh, and for the UFC and for the fighters as well. It's just a whole different uh, kind of feel. So that that's exciting. I was just downstairs with a few fighters, the Saints fans, Dustin Poirier and Daniel Cormier and Matt Schnell watching New Orleans and the Bears uh, who are playing right now. And there was a little bit of talk about that. And I think most of the athletes would love to have some semblance of a crowd. Oftentimes we as broadcasters get asked if we are going to be happy to have the crowd back because there is a segment of our fan base, Kenny, that really enjoys watching these live events without woo and without crowd noise. And They have that ability to listen to that corner audio, which we try to let bleed in as much as humanly possible. Um, But for me, I don't know how you feel like I am on record as saying I I cannot wait to have that support from a crowd to have a fighter win a a big fight, a climactic moment. Heaven forbid a UFC championship. And there's some noise, you know, I can't wait to have. And I just hope I know that these are some some hefty prices on these packages for fight Island. But if you are among our listeners and viewers and you are fortunate enough to be in the building for UFC 257, I hope you all make some fucking noise, you know, like you got to make noises if you're 10 people and hopefully they uh, will get the memo. But that's very exciting for me. I was excited to see that. And uh, obviously, you know, the protocols will be in place. So uh, we're going to get to Ray long go shortly. He didn't join us for the year end show. He was not a, He was not on sabbatical. It was not a scheduled bye week. He actually got COVID-19. So I'm looking forward to catching up with Ray. He says he's a 9.5 on a scale of 1 to 10 in terms of how he feels. So so that's a pretty good thing. Uh, Ken, one other bit of news that broke before we were uh, – prior to – after we were last on the air. So UFC Fight Night Holloway versus Cater is going to be on the American Broadcasting Company. Is that ABC? Is that what it is, Cody? American Broadcasting Company? So – I think sometimes the relevance of this is lost on me, but it seems like these network shows are a pretty big deal. And uh, I will say for those of us watching on on YouTube right now, seeing that ABC logo on a UFC fight card is, is pretty cool. That's huge, man. Uh, this is obviously going to be a first right on ABC. Yeah. Yeah. Is that right? And uh, it's exciting, man. Again, anytime uh, the UFC and the fighters have the ability to get new eyes uh, on the sport. I, I think it's a, a wonderful opportunity. Obviously 2020 was huge. I think figuratively for the MMA leader in terms of a lot of people ingesting content on ESPN plus and in other places that they weren't previously ingesting. So, uh, we're hoping to piggyback on that momentum. So I'll give you a little update on the quarantine here. I've passed my first COVID test. Every time you get that text from Zach Andino that says you're negative, it's a, it's a celebration. So, uh, <laughs> and you didn't even Buffer, study. I didn't even study for this one. That's right. And we went throat instead of nasal Felder buffer Cormier. Everybody's here. We're all negative. We're all ready to go. So it is three 45 PM Pacific right now. As we tape this episode, 3 AM in the lobby tomorrow morning, 
and then uh, and then it is off to Fight Island for another quarantine and then three big shows and uh, going a little bit early. I was not scheduled for this first show initially, but it got moved to ABC and they called my number and uh, and I'm excited to get there. So Dan Hooker is going to welcome Michael Chandler to the UFC. We did not get a chance to talk about that. There are no easy outs in this 155 pound division, and I don't even just mean the top 10. I think if you look at the top 25, there's a whole lot of depth there. Uh, but this is what Michael Chandler wanted, right? I mean, he's a betting underdog here, but, uh, no easy fights, man. No, Dan Hooker is no fucking joke out of the shoot for your UFC debut. Not an easy fight at all. But what is guaranteed is the fact that that fight is going to be ridiculous. Again, Dan Hooker has been involved. What his last five fights have been absolutely insane. Uh, for the most part, right. Uh, he's an exciting fighter. Uh, I think that uh, Chandler, if you haven't seen him fight, uh, you know, the guy always brings it. Uh, he's always game. He's an exciting fighter himself. And I know, you know, just from hearing Chandler and from seeing him fight, this is exactly the kind of fight that he wants. This is the kind of introduction uh, that you want to have. Uh, you want to basically establish yourself as an exciting fighter. But as you said, not an easy out for him at all. Hooker is dangerous everywhere. He's tall. He's huge for the division. Uh, that that's a, that's a barn burner, man. And we'll get to Longo in 30 seconds. But ultimately, for a lot of these lightweights, they just need a win. Unless you're Charles Oliveira, that's got eight of them in a row. But if you're Tony Ferguson right now, in terms of your championship trajectory, I know for him it might be a little bit of a tougher sell. But you just need a win. You know, Paul Felder's lost a couple straight on paper, just needs a win. Dan Hooker lost to Dustin Poirier, just needs a win. And if you're Michael Chandler, you get one win over Dan Hooker at UFC 257. All of a sudden, you're in the championship mix. You got Islam Makasheb and Drew Dober. A lot of relevant fights coming up at 155 pounds. And uh, chief among them, of course, UFC 257, Dustin and Connor. They'll lock the door behind them in about 13 days. But Ray Longo is on the mend. Hopefully, he got a fucking haircut. Let's get to the Ray Longo man. Now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. Starring Ray Longo. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Man, does the listenership and the viewership take a hit when Raymond Peter Longo is not a part of the program. As such, we've bumped him up to the top of the show. He's wearing his Chris Weidman All-American bad boy throwback fight shirt, a UFC hat. His hair looks like he's a woman. He has not cut it yet. You're just listening to the show. But I've never been this excited to see you, man. I know you have been ill, and uh, a lot of us were concerned about you. We know you're you're blowing out the lungs and working out hard every day, but uh, COVID-19 found you, man, and I know it's been a, a tough couple of weeks for you. Yeah, first of all, it was not just the hair that looks like a woman. I actually am a woman, John. To be <laughs> Breaking news. <laughs> Breaking news. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, thank God I was working out. I think my immune system held up. I think I had a mild case. It wasn't crazy. I lost my smell for a couple of days. You know, typical, just, you know, didn't really want to get out of bed, but nothing, it just was weird. You're just, you're just not yourself. But that for me, you know what I mean? So uh, it is what it is, man. We got to move on. So. Hopefully, no, of course, and you've missed only three episodes. We're coming up on our six year anniversary in April. And so just the fact that that you didn't join us last week, I think maybe elevated my concern a little bit because you answered that goddamn call and you weren't able to take the call last week. You know, I got to tell you, you know what it was, man? I was I just thought I'd be such a fucking downer that I didn't huh. want to. Yeah. That, that's what I'm saying. It was like you're off that much. You know, it wasn't crazy, but. What happened was I really was feeling good. And then I went, I did try to do extra rounds two days after I tested positive and I had a meltdown within the first 10 minutes. I had to get off the fucking show. Like Dean Thomas is going, dude, you profusely sweat your forehead. You're dripping sweat. And I was like, I got to go right in the middle of the show. I'm going, I'm out of here. I got to get out of here. But uh, so it was weird that way. I thought I felt great. I started talking and I was like, evidently not, you know, so. Whatever. I was just in the parking lot with Dean Thomas and Matt Sarah. I'm not going to tell you what we were doing necessarily, just running a few laps, right? But I heard the whole yeah. story about extra rounds from Dean Thomas, and he said that TJ DeSantis was kind of bullying you to the microphone, and Dean Thomas was like, you need to send the sick man home. Yeah, I saw and he Dean was Thomas right. downstairs, and he felt like he had to force you to stop doing the show because you needed to go rest up. 
Yeah, I'm forever grateful to him for that too, man. I thought Dean handled that perfect, and knowing that he had it before too, I, I you know, I, I listened and said, you know what, man, why, what am I, you know, I think I could have powered through anything, but what the, what the fuck is the point, you know? Right. So, yes. Right, so, so what do we got? What's going on in the world? Oh, MMA, we got a man? lot. Oh, we got a lot. We, I mean, I, mean, I, I went downstairs. I know BattleBots is going strong. I'm talking uh -huh. about fighting though. BattleBots <laughs> is I mean, absolutely crushing uh, discovery. No, I heard Comzat changed his steering wheel. Is that true, uh, Kenny? <laughs> That's right. He only he can only talk in terms of tires and steering wheels and exactly. <laughs> All right, so I, I did some pre-show preparation and I went downstairs and I had the hotel print out my podcast script, so I'm ready to go. Ready. Chris Weidman fought Uriah Hall in what was his third pro fight. It was Ring of Combat 31, September of 2010. Weidman TKO'd wow. Uriah Hall in three minutes and six seconds. One more win thereafter, and Chris was in the UFC. We know these guys are going to rematch on February 13th. What do you remember about that first meeting, though, Ring of Combat 31 back in the day? Oh, man, I, I remember that night like it was yesterday. I, I always loved those small shows when guys get their big opportunity uh, Uriah Hall was considered an absolute beast right. on the street. And uh, a, a sidebar that probably nobody knows, Chris got a, a, a an email from a girl he knew, I think, or somebody in his neighborhood that was training with Uriah Hall that pleaded with him not to take the fight, like he was going to get killed, pleaded with him. And, uh, you know, that's how big his reputation was. And I, I'll right. never forget that night, man, because Uriah was pacing around and obviously Uriah is a great guy, you know, even since then, he's just one of the nicest guys you'll meet, but he was pacing around and I look over at Weidman. He's just chilling, man. One guy yeah. was like cage and one guy. And then he just, that was it, man. He, I think he knocked him down with a left hook. And then, you know, that you got to remember 10 years ago, maybe people weren't focusing on the wrestling as they, as much as they do today. And he just, he got hammered on the floor. I mean, he got, he got, he couldn't move and Weidman was a big deal. And then I, Jumped in a car. I went to Philadelphia Airport, and I jumped on a plane to Chicago. Oh no, no, uh, we have a Matt Ford, Chris Lytle in his hometown, wherever that was, Illinois, maybe. Somewhere. Indianapolis, maybe. Yeah, isn't that crazy, man? So I yeah. mean, that, it was a great period of time. You know, it was uh, one guy coming up, and my other guy, you know, uh, having his last fight. I mean, those are memories I'll always remember. And yeah, Weidman, I knew at that point, man, was something special. I knew it before that, but uh, that was a big test for his third fight. And uh, he just came through in flying colors, man. And I, the rest is history. So that was a great, great night. And again, those shows to me, John, those little shows where, like, you know, why Quinta goes to war with somebody and, you know, Marab getting the contract all happened on yep. the ring of combat. Those are moments that are just as big as the other moments. They really are maybe even better because you're in a you're in a different spot with your guy. You're coming up. You're just bonding together. It's a beautiful feeling. It really is. You know, now. We deal with, you know, having kids and who's got problems, yeah. you know. But back then it was simple. Uh, it was raw. It was fresh. And it was fucking awesome. And thankfully for Marab, because of Dana White looking for a fight, that unbelievable knockout and backstage moments, it was all documented. He'll have that stuff forever, you know. Yeah, a lot yeah, of that original footage is hard to find. I wonder if there's got to be footage on that first re for that first meeting between Chris and Uriah that – the UFC would figure if they can get rights from you guys to trot out there in a few weeks, you know, uh, they, they, they already have the rights. They, they yeah. called already. Yeah. Just Cody, uh, what do you have kid? inside info? I mean, we're always trying to get Ray money. You can get Ray Longo merchandise on our website, but if we're trying to get some more money, like <laughs> let's just license out that sound bit that Ray just had right there. I mean, what promotion does better than that? Come on. I, uh, when he says hammered, Hammered, you know, Hammond. fucking H A M I D, hammered. Kenny, that's my favorite word to hear him say by far. Hammond. Not talking about, I was hammered last night actually for the first time in 2021. Woke up, I had opened an account on globalpoker.com. Not exactly sure how that happened, but I digress. Are you messing with the audio every time I put you on the spot a little bit? You seem to go out of, out of touch with uh, the rest of the podcast. Isn't that's that just amazing. Me? Isn't that amazing how I'm able to do that? <laughs> it's amazing how I'm able to do that on cue, but no, Ken flows in a hotel. I'm in a hotel. We both have bad Wi-Fi. you know, 
your hair's down to your shoulders in Garden City, New York. I mean, Cody looks good. <laughs> otherwise, we're a complete fucking mess today. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm saying this, is, it, a, so this is a year's growth right here. I'm getting a cut this week. Yeah, so, all right. So, I just was with Matt Sarah, and you're right. Not Does not lead the league in listening, that's for sure. Not a great listener. Listen, but really, we both cool. agree. Listen, <laughs> I, I don't care. You could tell him the world's blowing up. Did you see my? Did you listen to Unfiltered? Did you listen to Unfiltered? Did you hear I'm like, dude, do you understand? They're on the show. They're out on talk. They're attacking us right now. Did you listen to Unfiltered? This is all you're going to hear. Not the best listener. Are you kidding? Huh. That's uh, your guy, Sarah Longo. Oh, my God. Us part. But no. The one thing that we did both agree on was that it probably is time for a haircut. So you really are telling me that when we're doing the show next week, you're going to get, are you going to, I mean, you're almost at like donation stage. Oh yeah. Yeah. Hopefully yeah, I'd love to donate whatever I have. I, I'll look into that. I think. Um, can, you leave, can you leave a rat tail at least something? <laughs> no, I, no. I think this, we ran this, we ran this shtick long enough, Kenny. No, All right. All we, got right. a, we got a year out of this shtick. Yeah. Yeah. People right. are I don't want to hear about it. Uh, yeah, it's my turn now. I'll take the baton. So, right. Well, Kenny is famous in MMA circles for his hair, but there was oh. one time in Los Angeles where oh. some millennial who was probably 16 gave him this next generation haircut, and he knows exactly the cut I'm talking about it. And it was just too much. I mean, I thought it looked great, but Kenny was like, nah, nah, it's like a mohawk or something. Right? It was like, whoa, man. Like, I know you don't live in Massachusetts anymore, but what are we doing out west? You know, yeah. what are we do it out there. It was extreme. It was extreme. Uh, All right. So I have a few other things to get to here with Ray, and then we are going to make picks uh, for UFC Fight Night Holloway versus Cater. How about ABC, though, Ray Longo? We were just sort of reminiscing off the air about the wide world of sports being on ABC from 1964 to the year 2000. Ken Flo actually remembers watching Marvelous Marvin Hagler on ABC back in the day. Oh, of course. This is kind of a big deal. You know, I'm I'm embedded, so I don't necessarily pay too much attention to what network we're on. But this seems like it's a pretty big deal and that, in theory, a lot of new eyeballs could be on the UFC Saturday night. Listen, ABC back in the day was the place that you saw fights, man. It's crazy. I mean, I, who the hell is going to relate to this? Probably besides me. But I mean, like, I mean, I would run home to watch a fight. You know why? Because there was no YouTube. You, there was no way to record the fight. And you were never going to see it again. I, I don't know if people can understand that concept. You had one hour to see the fight. And that was it. Gone. And, you know, that's why... You know, even in the gym now, we we go to YouTube, we play the old fights. I sit there with some of the guys. We have a ball, uh, really analyzing right. some of the, these guys. The 80s was the year for box, the year, the decade for boxing, even the 70s. But uh, ABC and Wild World of Sports was absolutely phenomenal. I actually had a buddy of mine that was a big exec over there. I think he worked for, was Rune Knowledge on ABC? Uh, yeah, I, I think so. I think he had to be right, although I didn't see him yeah. listed in the. Uh, but that 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 ABC was just the shit for everything sports wise. They they right. covered. There were a couple of kickboxing matches they covered back in the day when nobody even knew what it was. That was absolutely as a young kid studying martial arts was just phenomenal to see. Like uh, it was just a great period of time. It really was. I'll always have great memories of ABC and. Uh, uh, yeah, it was good, man. It, it's a there's a good book called Ride of a Lifetime by Bob Iger. He's I think he's an Oceanside kid from the South Shore over here. What a freaking story that is! You know, he obviously runs Disney now, and you know, just his relationship with Jobs, with Rune Allage, and some of the other guys coming up was phenomenal. Well, when the UFC had a deal with Fox, and this podcast actually had a licensing deal with Fox Sports for about a year and a half, but. We were on Big Fox four or five times a year, and this kind of materialized pretty quickly. And I'm just curious if this is sort of a harbinger of things to come. Are we going to be on ABC four or five times a year? But uh, we'll deliver this first time around. And I think you got to look at Holloway and Cater. It's a bulletproof matchmaking in terms of this main event, Ray, in terms of a fight that we'll put on a show. I can't no see question. how this main event is straight fire. So. No, no question. I'm saying that's almost a guarantee. A guarantee. Kate is coming forward. The other guy's coming forward. You know, uh, what a great fight. Uh, man, Kate, Qatar, I'm saying his name wrong, obviously. No, Cater, Cater. I mean, he is on a yep. roll. I love his boxing. 
And uh, man, he's precise. Uh, he's accurate. He throws that uppercut off the crew. I mean, he does some really basic, great shit, man. And uh, I think it's just going to be too much for Holloway. He's going to, he's, and he could throw. He, it doesn't look like wow. he's getting fired either. So who, who's favored in that fight? Very interesting. Uh, Max Holloway is minus 155 as the favorite. Calvin Cater is plus 135 as the underdog. We polled our Anakin Florian podcast listeners today, and I think it was about 4,000 votes and 76% liked Max Holloway. I was just downstairs with Dustin Poirier, and he was raving about Calvin Cater's hands and his boxing, and uh, we'll see, man. I think it's a tough matchup for him. I really do. I think Max deserves the distinction as the favorite. We'll also, we'll obviously get Ken Flo's selection later in the show. Um, but you like Calvin Cater to get it done. How about I that? Think, That'd be I, something, man. I think Cater gets that done in a similar fashion. I think he's almost a small, and I'm, I'm not, and I'm not, I'm saying this loosely, but it's it's going to be like the uh, like the Poirier fight. Like he's going to be, he's he's going to. It's a game fight, but I think the other guy's hits too hard, too often, too accurate, and I think that's the difference. Uh, you know, the other guy's going to have to use like the takedowns and the kicks. I don't think he's going to want to trade with this guy. I think it's like, yeah. like Poirier, it was a great fight. Poirier was just too, a little stronger. You know, he moved up in weight and, uh, I think, yeah, I don't know. I, I like Kate. I like, I like everything about him. I like the way he trains, you know, or what I hear he trains. I love what we talked to him one time, his head's in the right spot. Uh, man, he's just, I don't know. I don't think he's looked bad yet. I mean, a five-round right. fight to say he's going to beat Zabit, you know? I mean, right. he wasn't right. going anywhere in that fight. He came on in the third. I don't know if Zabit could hang on for uh, two more rounds against him. So I'm assuming this is a five-round fight, and I think that, that even that's going to favor uh, Qatar. I don't think he stops, and I think his, his he's good. His hands are good, man. They're pretty freaking good. And his team's good. They're real strategists, and they – have a lot of film with which to work on Max Holloway. There's no doubt about it. And they're, and on, a roll. they're on a roll, you know, no great. He had a big win. Yeah. Uh, uh, these guys are going to be tough to stop. I love it. And I know Kenny's just a beacon of humility, but there was a time about 10 years ago when the Boston Globe and the Boston Herald was doing stuff on Ken Flo all the time. Channel five was coming to his house and Cater is on the cusp of getting that treatment in a sports town, Kenny, that, you know, is crowded as hell, you know, and it's really hard to break through in Boston and get that type of attention. And I kind of feel like Cater, if he beats a former champ in Max Holloway and puts himself either in a championship setting or one win away, you know, he could be a big star there. Hey, listen, I love, I love Cater, but let's not bring Kenny into it. I mean, Kenny's another, <laughs> I mean, you know, if he was having trouble, if he was having trouble in Boston getting recognition or attention, then this guy's going to be in deep shit. With that, <laughs> there's only one Ken Flow, John. No, that's the truth. No I mean, the only thing it. they got similar is uh, the K in their name. <laughs> right, right. Hey, for fifty bucks, pronounce Calvin's last name correctly right now. Cater. I am sending you that fifty dollars because you uh, said guitar last time. You know, Ian oh. Parker's coming up, so we have plenty of mispronunciations <laughs> uh, in our next segment. All right, before we let you go, and again, if you got anything on the way out, certainly you got as much time as you need. But Aljamain Sterling and Piotr Jan now have a date. That date is March 6th, UFC 259, presumably Las Vegas championship triple header. And I don't mean to put you on the spot with this question, but it appears as though Piotr Jan has aligned with American top team. And I'm just curious, like when that happens, is there any conversation from the opposing team or trying to think about, you know, tendencies or coaches that maybe Jan is working with to try to get some insight as to maybe what wrinkles he might be trying to bring to the table? I don't know. I know it's kind of a loaded question, but um, what what do you make of that alignment? And have you guys had any conversations about it? Uh, yeah, we actually did have a conversation about it. I think it's uh, I think it's good. And I think it shows that Peter Jan's searching for something that he didn't stay with his other team. And I love that aspect because, you know, I, I love, right. you know, that whole concept. So I think it shows that he's worried about something. Uh, he thinks he can find answers in Florida. I say he can't. And uh, I love the matchup. And, yeah, we did talk about it. Uh, it's about all I'm going to say now on it. You know, obviously yeah, sure. I broke it down a little more than that. But I think uh, that's my my opinion. He's He's searching for something. 
And he, I don't know, you know, I don't know who'd he fight out of there. Pedro Munoz, uh, Pedro Munoz, right? I don't know if he fought anybody else out of there, but uh, I don't recall. Maybe he fought. I mean, you, I'm not the guy you go to for recall. I'm assuming, Pedro wants, Munoz? I'm assuming he wants to concentrate on his wrestling. Uh, but you know, look, man, right. did anybody, right. did you watch Aljo's match with that, that stud wrestler? I didn't uh, see the whole thing, but he did have an exhibition wrestling match and, uh, was super competitive, obviously at times, right? Let me right? tell you something, man. If you know the time that he put into that thing, it makes it even better. You know what I mean? So right. Aljo right. funky, man. He's weird. I mean, listen, the, the word on that was that anything less than a, being tech fold was a win. Right. And I would go. Right. That scored the, what a beautiful uh, takedown he scored in the first year. Four points, man. He was that, that, and then he choked the kid out in about a minute when they did jujitsu. So Aljo's oh, down right, right. the hand. Oh, hey, man. Uh-oh. So, What's did that? he lose me again or no? No, I, yeah. I guess I was just going to segue to the betting line. And uh, I know a lot of people see that price on Aljo as an underdog as being pretty juicy. Like what's the most amount of money you've ever put on a fight in your life? I mean, I'm trying to think about the biggest bet I've ever placed on a game, not more than probably $1,500 on a singular game. I usually put 50 bucks on a game as my average bet. Um, I'm saying I just have heard from a lot of people who feel like this is a, a very unique betting opportunity to get Aljo uh, in this matchup at this price. Yeah. And I've the most I've ever bet, is I believe two thousand. I don't think uh, I've ever won above. I know for a fact I never won above that. And that yeah. was maybe one or two times, and that was. And on... does your wife know that? No, but she. Does she listen to the Anakin Florian podcast? No, but she. <laughs> uh, she just said she knows it now, though. So thanks for that, John. <laughs> hey, but she says she's the gambler, good. not me. She's the gambler. You can't, you know, you take her. Yeah, no, she's a she's got it in her veins. You can't get her off. Of, you can't get her off of, out of Atlantic City when we go down there. Or Vegas. <laughs> How about so, that? Uh, I, that for me, even if somebody heard, because normally I bet a hundred bucks, two hundred bucks, depending on how I feel and you know what, like yeah. you know, sometimes I just want to bet like two thousand because if I lose, I I want to feel what the pain of I fuck something up. Of course, you no, know, so it's really I'm I'm weird. I don't know. Oh. Hey, uh, you don't even know. I don't even know where to begin with that. I have, I have done a lot of silly things, uh, to pay for new England championships over the years. No, I just see it as a pick em fight. And that's as predictive as I'm going to get on that fight, Ken Flo. But to me, it's like, I think it's a pick em fight and Jan is getting a lot more respect, uh, at least right now, uh, from Vegas on that, but we'll see, you know, they're trying to draw two way action. And right now the price is idling. So, uh, what would the odds I'm sorry. What would the odds? Gonna, you know what? I'm going to, I'm literally going to look it up right now so I can get a fresh number and, uh, and then, uh, we will get you out of here. Um, unless you got something else, I'm going to bestfightodds.com. We'll give them a plug. It is my one-stop shopping for fight odds. UFC two fifty nine. Piotr Jan minus 135, Aljo plus 115. So it's creeping. So it's not as pronounced as I thought. That's pretty close, right? Yeah, that's a close side. Ken Flo's picking Aljo. I guarantee it after going Sandhagen last time. Guarantee. Listen, Aljo is, he's weird, man. You don't know what to expect from him. You know, like I had two guys sparring. I had frivola sparring a couple of weeks ago with somebody who hits like a mule who spars with aljo and he's like uh, do you hit aljo like that and he goes no i actually can't that's the problem like he's not right. he's not stupid right. you know what i mean yeah. he's gonna fight his fight unless you can make him fight your fight and i don't think that's an easy thing to do i really don't not with him and he's whack wacky shit'll come out of nowhere and if you slip or fall or you get into a little scramble and that guy latches onto your neck you believe hundred percent will put you to sleep great squeeze strength yeah. believes in it uh just good stuff man he, the, he, he, that's the thing you can't really make a mistake with him at this point and certainly nowhere to run nowhere to hide in that little baby 25 foot octagon yeah right, my man well uh so great to have you back man this yeah, show is just not the same without you Oh, oh, just oh, not great, man. I really miss you guys. You say I want to say how much I appreciate all of you now that I've been through a little shit for the last two weeks. Right. That's right. all I want to say. Right. <laughs> you guys are the best, man. Well, we really appreciate great. that. Keep resting up, man. I'm glad you're better. 
Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much, guys. All right. I will see you next week. What are we on? Back to normal? Yeah, it'll be Sunday or Monday. I got to get to Fight Island first and figure out time zones and things like that. But I will follow up with you during the week. And uh, I don't know if we got to bribe you to get a haircut. But if you're if you're uh, if you're going to skin going. fade by next week. No, it's going. I don't know. Next week, right. uh, hopefully. I'm not sure. But within two All weeks, right. it's gone. <laughs> All right. Hey, we'll talk to you next week. Right. Stuff. There he is. Ray. All right. Tell my and tell my oh, uh, no, best man. friend Matt Thurr I said uh, hello and goodbye. I, I will I will pass along I'm the sure message. We'll I'm see sure the extent to which he listens to it. I'm gonna text um, him as soon as we're off the air. Yeah. No, Dude's that, fun. He's a lot of things, but he's fun. No, no, no. He's no uh, he's never off, John. Never. I could no, attest twenty four hours a day, never off. He's yeah. on the Dean arms. Thomas is a nice sort of juxtaposition, you know, because he's just calm, cool, and collected next to your insane best friend. I love, I love Dean, man. He say he saved me, and I will always be uh, indebted to him for stepping up no and doubt. me do Seriously. the right thing. Yeah. All right, guys. All right, brother. Uh, go get some food. We'll talk to you next weekend. Take it easy, guys. All right, the Ray Longo minute every week here on the Anakin Florian podcast. Yeah. So basically, Dean Thomas, Ken Flo was saying like. Ray's like dying, and it seemed like our old friend TJ DeSantis, God love him, was wanting the content, wanting Ray to power through. And Dean's like, this man needs to stop broadcasting right now. So, uh, hey, I, yeah. hey, I'm just saying, I may have done one or two podcasts on COVID. I'm, I'm just saying, I, I powered through. I uh, powered. How about that? Yeah, <laughs> our, our producer hasn't tasted for like six weeks at this point, but somehow, some way, uh, I have not had COVID 19 yet. Perhaps I have. I don't think I have. All right. Today's main event challenge brought to you by oddshark.com. Oddshark is your source for the latest odds from leading authorities, expert editorial content, and detailed matchup picks with expert in-depth analysis for each game. Their free statistics, numbers, and trends will help you make the sharp picks on game day. Head over to oddshark and start playing like a shark today. That's oddshark.com. Don't forget the second S. All right. Let's get to the duck. It's the main event challenge. And the time is most definitely Florian. I finished fights. I'm going to do everything possible to win. The main event challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. Oh, we got fights back in our lives. And it's amazing to think what a true UFC offseason would do for this fan base in terms of the enthusiasm for a return. Can you imagine as we welcome in the duck Ian Parker on social media at Ian Parker MMA, Ian, can you imagine if the UFC shut down for two months, you know, at the beginning of the NFL season and went dark in say August and September, could you imagine the appetite for that show on October 1st? It'd be absurd. I'd probably be skinnier at this point, but yeah, it would be uh yeah. You know what? I give Dana White and the team a lot of credit. Look, it was hard to really picture that this was going to happen the way it did, but you know, we lost some fights. We got some incredible ones and thank God. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm not talking about any of that though. I'm talking about we're scheduled to do 40 shows a year. I am just saying that when I hear from fans now that because we went three weeks around the holidays, usually maybe we take two weeks off, but because we went three weeks off, people feel like we haven't had a fight in forever present company um, included. So I'm asking you if we were to shut down for two months, sure. what kind of appetite do you think there would be for that UFC return? Because if three weeks is any indication that return pay-per-view after a two month hiatus would do monumental numbers in my opinion. That's all I was saying. Oh, my bad. But you can credit the promotion all you want. They've done a great job. No, but I, <laughs> I don't work for them. I don't give a shit, but uh, you yeah, know, I agree. I agree with you. I think the appetite, is going to be insane. I would think it'd be funnier if they put on a really shitty card and we'd really see what type of fans. That really probably doesn't even matter. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. have like me and Kenny in a blind jujitsu match on fight pass and see if the fans really want to watch it, you know? So there you go. All right. So we have five fights on the ABC main card for UFC fight night Holloway versus cater. Of course, team Anik led by the ducky and Parker is defending a championship in the main event challenge punish, of course, to be determined. But let's get to it, boys. First fight will, of course, be the first UFC fight on ABC in the middleweight division. Matchup of two undefeated fighters here, Ian, both coming off of Dana White's contender series to produce wins in their UFC debuts. They are Dushko Todorovic, minus 155, and Punahale Soriano, who is the underdog, at plus 135. IP, your first pick of 2021. Todorovic or Soriano for you? 
Uh, I'm really sorry, Cody. Can you hold on one second? I got one dog that's barking. And I don't want to ruin the first pick of the year. I, let me just <laughs> see what he's doing. Yeah, I'm so I'm so sorry. He's that's okay. Me. We're off one to a fantastic start. I know. Well, hey, I, I am hey Ken Flo, while I'm Ian sorry. is going to solve the dog, the duck is chasing a dog right now on the Anna Employment Podcast. So Punahele Soriano, wrestling and judo background. It's sort of a cool story. Dan Ige was sort of the impetus for him going into the gym at Extreme Couture. You know, he's doing wrestling classes for a while, and it's like, man, he's got some serious skills. A lot of power. Trains under Nate Pettit, Eric Nixick. He's plus 135 here. Todorovic obviously has a decorated pro record, some pretty good experience. Which way are you going while Ian uh, rejoins us? And then we'll get yeah. back to IP. I think Sor- Soriano's a, a problem. I'm also I'm really interested to see how his, uh, you know, grappling-based style matches up. Um, um against uh, Todorovic, uh, but, um, you know, I, I do think that Todorovic, for me, I've seen uh, an excellent ability to finish fights, uh, and, you know, him being undefeated, him him uh, with a guy who, who has shown a lot of different ways to finish you, for me, um, I think is going to be the difference. I, I have him as, as the guy who's going to win this fight. And Todorovic won a regional title by knocking out Michelle Pareda. Good strength of schedule outside the UFC. Getting a good test here in Pune to kick off the main card on ABC. Who do you have? Yeah, I like Todorovic here also. I kind of fumbled that one a little bit, but not as bad as I thought. Uh, I think Kenny kind of said it best with this. I, I just think he's I think he's got more ways to win, and I think the way he tries to finish fights will be the difference here. And I think the odds are a little wider than I expected with both guys, you know, as early in their UFC career as they are. I thought it would be a little bit closer. You know, I don't think one has that much of a heavier lean than the other, but I'm with Kenny on this pick. All right. Also a middleweight guys, one of the true breakout stars of last year, Joaquin Buckley trying to keep it going. He will do so as a minus 260 favorite here against Italy's Alessio De Chirico, who comes back at plus 220. Ken Flo, we will have you lead here. Thought Buckley looked great in that encore performance against Jordan Wright. How do you handicap this one for him against Italy's Alessio De Chirico? Dikitiko is a guy who is a good striker. Has that? I uh, love the way you say that name. I'm stopping the whole show right now, and you're going to say it again. Because Ken Flo called, I think, Dikitiko's UFC. How fucking good did he sound saying that name? Do it again, please. Dikitiko. Uh, you know, oh, I, 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 think God, man. <laughs> I think he's Sorry. a good uh, striker. You know, I think he could pose some problems for Buckley, um, especially kind of in the first five to seven minutes. I think Buckley needs to be careful. Um, but I do think that Buckley is learning on the job. I thought he had um, a lot of, he, I thought he had an excellent assessment of his last fight where it seemed like he was forcing the knockout. He was kind of uh, bringing the fight a little bit too fast, too hard early on. Uh, and he seemed to recognize that during the fight. Um, so to me, this is a fighter that is getting better. Uh, he's intelligent. He knows uh, where he's strong and maybe where he suffers a little bit as a fighter. Uh, but I think Buckley just has too much damn power right now. He's on a roll. He has a lot of momentum. I see Buckley winning this fight. But uh, I think Dikitiko is an interesting underdog bet as well, especially early on. But uh, I, I do like Buckley here. All right, Ian Parker, Alessio Dikitiko plus 220. I'm going to have a hard time calling this fight now because I'm going to be thinking about that Ken Flo pronunciation. Uh, but he has lost three straight, likely fighting for his job. How do you handicap his chances here against Joaquin New? Mansa Buckley. Alessio De Chirico. Yeah, I don't, I, um, look, good striker. He really <laughs> is a good striker. He tends to get a little bit too hesitant and he comes more alive later in the fight. And I think what Kenny said, again, <clears throat> I can't believe I'm starting off the year kissing Kenny's ass already. I guess I'm really trying to keep this job. But, you know, I think with Buckley uh, against Jordan Wright, we kind of saw him really throwing haymakers and not sticking to what got him that win against Impa up until that kick. The technicality, he was patient. He was really throwing volume. He was being smart, staying out of the way. I think he came into the fight with Wright feeling like he had to really knock another guy out to prove that wasn't a fluke, you know? Mm-hmm. And when he was doing that, he wasn't winning. He was in it, but there was no separation yet. He made the adjustments, looked phenomenal, got the win. Uh, I, <clears throat> I think this is a good matchup for him, building him slowly. You know, I would have loved to see him fight James Krause for all the obvious reasons. Right. Clearly, uh, for whatever reason, that's not happening. I do like Buckley here. Uh, do I think he gets the knockout? I really don't this time. I think Kiriko is uh, he's one of those guys that can take punches, but I also think he's smart enough to not get hit by the power shots. But I do like Buckley for the win. 
All right, it's all huge fights the rest of the way, folks. This one, a featured bout at welterweight, and it features the return of Argentina's Santiago Ponzinibbio, modest 275 against Lee Jingliang, who is plus 235. So, Ian, you know this, but perhaps all of our listeners don't. So Ponzinibbio has been out a long time. The knockout of Neil Magny was a main event in November of 2018. So he still comes in here having won seven in a row. No longer ranked, though, because of the inactivity. He did have a fight with Robbie Lawler book late 2019 staff infection for Ponzinibbio. So that one went away. What do you think about this matchup here as Ponzinibbio tries to shake off the, the rust against a very tough and durable Lee Jingliang? The last fight we saw Ponzinibbio, we saw the best Ponzinibbio we've ever seen against Neil Magny. He looked like a guy that was going to fight for a title and looked for like a guy who was going to be very competitive there for so long. But what we're starting to see is I think people are starting to kind of figure that out. You know, it's not just a dominant cruise miracle anymore. I think guys are learning how to train through these injuries and not rush back, take their time. And I think this is a good matchup for him. I, you know, I, I don't, he's down here. So I, I've asked people, his training's been good. He looks good. He feels good. Confidence isn't anywhere. So it's hard to really bet against a guy the way he looked before. And if he's truly healthy now, there's no reason to believe that his skills have just gone away. I think on a betting standpoint, the odds really suck though. You know, I was really hoping this was going to be closer to a minus 185 due to the inactivity. But I think Ponzibibio with that jab, I think his speed will be there. I think he, the volume he throws and I think the cardio is going to be really helpful for him. I'm going to go with Ponzibibio here. Another chalky play. Sorry. Ponzibibio. I mean, it's just, I, I love you like a brother. Exactly. I think if Longo's the star of the show, you're the heart and soul of the show. But I let the Ponzibibio go the first time. Ponza and the second Bibio. time, I just didn't have it within me to let it go. I was going to call him the Pons, but I, I didn't know how that would fly, you know, between your mustache and Kenny's so, beard. Hey, you know, I didn't know. <laughs> so Longo kept calling Calvin Cater, Calvin Qatar. And so I gave him an opportunity to win $50 See, like, if he could pronounce it right on the spot. And he did it. I don't know if, if I offered though? you money, if you could pronounce it. Okay. First off, Pons of Bibio. Ponza Bibio. Let me ask you a question, right? Look, to I'm kick off the new year with Ponza Bibio. Listen, I, I'm not. Ray's got to get names right because he may coach against guys like this. He's got to know the fighters' names. I, I just got to. You got to know who I'm talking about. You're just here to entertain effort. and inform. I get it. Listen, I'm here to help people win money. I'm here to. I'm not sure. And, uh, in fairness, know. I don't know if Ray would get Ponza Bibio right either. So. I right. No, that's yeah. weird. That doesn't, well, yeah. Kenny. That doesn't, that doesn't make me feel I don't like know. Better. I think Ray was saying that. <laughs> Kenny gets me. Kenny just gets me this year. I don't know. Yeah. He just gets me. Yeah. <laughs> Santiago. So Lee Jing Leong. The leech can flow. Humbled by Neil Magny his last time out. He had yeah. won three straight and seven of eight going in and was briefly ranked, I believe, uh, after that win over Elizio Zaleski Dos Santos. Any value for you, Ken Flo, on the leech against Ponzinibbio or are you going with the Argentine? You know, before I get into predictions, first of all, I, I got to say this could have the makings of an absolute war. So um, I, I'm curious to see what, what approach Ponzinibbio has. But, you know, again, you know, like uh, Ian said, we haven't seen Ponzinibbio in there for a long time. He could be a completely different fighter. He could also show, show some rust. But my feeling is that we're going to see a sharper Ponzinibbio. I think that uh, Pontanibio will be excited to be back and will put on an excellent performance against a very tough Chinese fighter in Li Jingliang. Uh, but I, I like Pontanibio here. I think he has uh, more ways to win in, in this fight as well. You know what's sad, Ken Flo? Santiago Ponzanibio is now the mixed martial artist formerly known as Jen Chiboa. He has changed his nickname. He is no longer Genshi Boa. Wow. Kenflo taught me how to pronounce that in like 2013. New nickname. You ready for it? You guys ready? Ian, you what ready? George, Ian probably already George. knows. It is the Argentine dagger or Argentine dagger. I'm waiting to hear which way because that work can go like both that. ways. So. I like that. All right. Kenny, Genshi Boa is like nice guy, right? Yeah, it's like, yeah, the, the, he's good people. You know, I was like, oh, yeah, right. he's a good person. He's a good person. Right. But, um, yeah, he's good. That, that's obviously, you know, no one's going to be intimidated by it. It's like Ken Flo. Right. No one's going to be intimidated by Ken Flo. Uh -huh. No one's going to be intimidated right. by, you know, you know the, the, the good guy, Pontanibio. Oh, I like oh the, my right. God. Yeah. Can you imagine if Kenny's nickname was the Dagger? That would be awesome. Kenny, you look like a dagger. You look like you would be the dagger. I, I like that one. I, I would steal that 100%. I, I, I thought it was going to be a lot worse. I'm actually impressed with that nickname. That's not bad. 
Canflow should have been like the uh, the Boston, Boston Strangler. Boston, yeah. I mean, can you yeah. imagine? Yeah. All right, co-main <laughs> event in the welterweight division: Carlos Condit minus one sixty, Matt Brown plus one forty. We'll need the round of the method of victory here, and we will lead with Mr. Parker. So prior to outpointing Court McGee on Fight Island last October, Condit hadn't won a main event, or excuse me, a fight at all, since a main event win over Thiago Alves. That was May of 2015 in Goiania, Brazil. So the pressure's off. He was supposed to fight Matt Brown actually all the way back in 2013. Brown, though, pulling out with a back injury the week of the fight. Many of our listeners probably remember that. So now about seven years later, IP, it shall be done. Which way are you going? Better late than never, I guess, even with these two, right? Um, I, I see some value in Matt Brown here. I do. You know, I think the Court McGee that we saw fight Condit was not the one that I, any of us were expecting. Uh, the guy that throws the volume, that threatens with the wrestling, the cardio. Instead, he was once he got tagged at the end of that first round, he just didn't come back. And I think someone in Matt Brown will embrace that violence and will take the fight to Carlos. And a lot of guys that do pressure Condit, that's kind of when he doesn't, he's not able to turn into the natural born killer. So I'm actually surprised he's that much of a favorite. I thought this was going to be like a minus 135 maybe type of situation. So this is where I think there's a nice little underdog play. I'm going to go with the immortal one, Matt Brown. Violence. All right, how's, let's go. How's he get it done? Round and method of victory. Same rules, new year, kid. Oof. Um, murder, round two. Now, I'll, I'll say TKO round two. I think he could do it against the cage. TKO round two to our intern, Casey Williams. Mark it down. We're going to track your underdog records this year in 2021 to see how you guys do when uh, you actually have the fucking stones to bet on somebody who's plus money. Just kidding. All right, Flo. Matt Brown contemplated retirement, actually, going into that Diego Sanchez fight in 2017, but he liked the way his body responded. Now he's three fights removed from that. Lost to Miguel Baeza rather violently back in May, and today is actually Matthew Immortal Brown's 40th birthday. How do you think he matches up with Carlos Condit and Ken Flo, who wins the main event, co-main event live on ABC? Well, listen, uh, Baeza uh, is an absolute beast. No shame in losing to that guy at that point in his career. But, you know, I, I got to agree with Ian. I, I think that uh, Matt Brown does match up pretty well against uh, uh, Carlos Condit. These are two legends of the game, two guys that have entertained people for uh, a long time. Um, and I think if Conant's able to get his offense flowing, if he's able to move forward, if he's able to get his footwork going, I think Conant can win this fight. However, I do think that Ian is correct that if Matt Brown is able to pressure him and pressure him consistently, that Matt Brown can get a win. I don't see him finishing this fight, but I do think that Matt Brown can win this one uh, by decision. So that's that's my pick. All right, the resident cappers, both like Matt Brown, the underdog spot this weekend. That brings us to the main event. First main event of 2021, it comes your way in the featherweight division. The former champ, Max Holloway, minus 155. Calvin Cater, plus 135. Overwhelming support, at least from our listeners in our poll today, for Max Holloway. Ray Longo likes Calvin Cater as the underdog. Uh, Ken Flo, Team Attic, defending a title here in the main event challenge. So we will have you lead on the main event, at least until you're in the overall lead. So with the slate wiped clean, Ken Flo's first main event selection of 2021, Calvin Cater, Max Holloway, who do you like? This is a tremendous main event. I, I think that uh, Cater, if there's a guy who can finish this fight, in my opinion, it, it's Calvin Cater. I, I think he's the guy with the power. Um, I think if he's able to pressure Max Holloway uh, and find his range early, I, I think that will suit him uh, very well. However, Max Holloway has a lot of tricks up his sleeve, man. And you know, this is a guy that really should be the champion, in my opinion. I thought that he certainly lost the first fight against Volkanovski. I did think he won the second fight against Volkanovski. He made the right adjustments. He was moving his feet. He was using all of his weapons instead of just utilizing his boxing. And to me, um, it was a Max Holloway that looked better than ever. If that's the Max Holloway that shows up uh, tomorrow night, as I expect, I'm sorry, not tomorrow night, but Saturday night, I expect Max Holloway to win this fight against Cater. Uh, as much as I love Cater, I, I think that um, Cater sometimes tends to rely a little bit too much on his boxing. And against a, a, a super experienced fighter, a former champion like a Max Holloway, I'm not sure that's going to be enough. If he's able to catch him and follow up, um, I do think he could potentially finish Holloway. I do think Cater uh, has excellent power. He's big for the division. Uh, however, I don't think Holloway is going to give him too many of those chances. So he has to be very careful um, 
uh, trading like he did against someone like a Dustin Poirier, for example. If if Cater is able to turn this fight into a similar fight that Dustin Poirier did, then I tell you what, Cater will absolutely win this fight. However, I got to assume that Holloway has learned his lesson from that fight, and uh, I think he wins by decision. All right, Max Holloway by decision, the official pick to click for Ken Flo on the main event. So Ian Cater didn't get much consideration for breakout star or fighter of the year in 2020. It was a hotly contested year and there was a lot of talent that emerged, but there was also a recency bias, I think, as well. You know, his last fight was July 16th. The main event went over Dan Ige, preceded by a hellish knockout with an elbow of Jeremy Stevens. It was essentially a perfect year for him. How do you think he matches up with Max Holloway? And do you think he has enough to get it done here in the role of slight dog? I'm with Kenny here in regards to Max Holloway with his last fight against the champ. I believe he won that fight. I think he learned his lesson. I think he came back, made the adjustments. I think for Calvin Cater, you know, and Kenny really said it best. So I don't want to be all redundant. He relies way too much on his power and he doesn't get started until the sec- end of the second. Oh, I'm sorry, beginning, middle of the second round when he knows he's fighting a longer fight. That's not going to work here against a guy in Holloway who pretty much has only been fighting five round fights for the last 20 years. If you, you know, obviously it's not 20 years, but he's been fighting this forever. And I think this is a big jump in competition from what Cater's been used to. You know, I think Holloway has way more tricks. I think we may see some takedowns here. You know, I think if Holloway just boxes with Cater, he gives Cater an opportunity to knock him out. He's one of the few guys in the division with that true knockout power, but we've also seen that Holloway's got quite a chin on him. And I don't think Holloway is going to just stand there and let Calvin box him up, punch him in the face. You know, I'm also very curious about Calvin's cardio, although it's been good against a guy in Holloway that also pushes a very fast pace. You know, Mm. the guys that Calvin has fought are not necessarily cardio guys. And Holloway is a decision machine, not by choice, just the way it is. So I think if Calvin were to win, it would be by a knockout just because he carries that power. You know, I would have liked to have seen one more fight before this, before a Max Holloway fight. I honestly was hoping Holloway would have got the trilogy even coming off that loss. Yeah. You know, probably the one time I could honestly say a guy losing deserved the second rematch. And this kind of reminds me of when Holloway was fighting Ortega. You know, Ortega was looked at as the big prospect. Holloway was kind of as the champ, like people weren't giving him the credit. Um, I, I like Holloway here by decision as well. And I'm not trying to just uh, piggyback Kenny here. He he nailed it. You know, with Holloway, he also sees this mentally. I got to assume I get past this guy and I'm getting the title shot because I have to. There's just no reason, no matter how he wins. So Max Holloway, yeah. you know, those odds, you just can't say no to that right now. And I promise if Cater wins by knockout, I will not call it a Boston bomb as I regrettably did when he beat Jeremy Stevens. But I was in the moment and it was... It was a fucking bomb, Ken Flo, you know? I mean, it wasn't uh, a lack of sensitivity, but I do apologize to my fellow Bostonians. All right, on social media, he is at Ian Parker MMA. If you want to follow, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel as well, which I guess really helps the cause. So you can click that like and subscribe button. Also, don't forget, from a technical perspective, you cannot do any better than Kenny Florian's YouTube channel. It has become must-viewing for me before I call all of these live events. And speaking of live events, next week I will be live in Abu Dhabi for all of them. Next week's episode of this show is going to be one of the biggest episodes we ever do. We'll recap Holloway Cater and then predictions for not just UFC 257, but also UFC Fight Night Magni versus Kiesa. And again, just from all of us here, we appreciate every last one of you for watching, for listening, for telling your friends. It's going to be a big year for the UFC. And uh, hopefully the Anakin Florian podcast will be there every step of the way. So with that, for Ian, for our producer, Cody Merrill, for Ken Flo, and the rest of the crew, John Anik saying so long for now until... Next week, stay healthy. Don't text and drive. May want to put on a mask. It's up to you. Yo, later. (laughs) 